to the Path to Leadership podcast, where we explore the secrets to building strong cultures and becoming exceptional leaders. As a leader, I know you're faced with challenges, whether it's shaping company culture, fostering professional development, or ensuring employee retention. Throughout this podcast, we will walk you through a deep dive into these topics and more, uncovering strategies and sharing stories of success. I'm Dr. Katie Irvin, the Culture Doctor. I am so excited today because the episode today uh, is coming out on Human Resources Professional Day. And this day is so special to me because I used to wear the HR hat. And more importantly, I'm so fortunate to work with so many great HR people. Um, So with me today is Jim Bappers. Hey, Jim. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. And thank you so much for being with us today. I'm excited for you to share just a little bit about you and your leadership journey and advice that you have for all of us. Well, I'm I'm, I'm very happy to do it. <laughs> so um, can you just introduce yourself to everyone, your title, where you work, all of that good stuff? Sure. Um, as, as, as Katie said, my name is, uh, is Jim Bowers. Um, and uh, I am the Human Resources Director for the city of Lenexa, Kansas, and I have uh, I've been here for a little over seven years, and I've been an HR uh, director, HR professional for, uh, gosh, uh, over 27 years now. So that's a perfect lead-in, Jim. Can you tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you got into HR? Yes, it uh, was. It was not a. I well, maybe it's not too abnormal, but it was not a direct path from the beginning. Uh, my plan uh, was to go to law school and to practice law, and uh, I did that. Um, but a combination of, I think, choosing the wrong law firm in the wrong area of practice kind of soured me on practicing law. So after nearly five years in practice, uh, I up and. Uh, Uh, moved back to my hometown and became an assistant county prosecutor, kind of starting over on a different path. So in that role, I was I was able to work on a project with a management consulting firm, uh, which special specializes in performing labor and employee relations work for small cities and counties. So after after one year as an assistant prosecutor, I was asked to go to work for that management consulting firm. And I did that. And that's where I learned that I really liked employment and labor law, unlike the first type of law that I had practiced, which was corporate and probate and uh, business law. Um, so uh, I went to work for that management consulting firm and uh, um, and and did a lot of work uh, for small cities and counties. I would uh, write their policy manuals and negotiate their labor agreements and uh, help them with disciplinary matters. Uh, but after about five years as a consultant, um, I decided that I wanted to be able to do that work from the inside. So I applied for and then was hired to, to be the HR director for the city of Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, and most folks in HR don't begin their careers at the director level. And uh, but I did. Uh, Mansfield was a city of about 50,000 people, uh, about 900 employees. And uh, we had a five person HR department. And, you know, there were a few things in HR that I knew how to do and a whole lot of things that I knew nothing about. And so that job was 
truly an on-the-job learning experience. Uh, I learned a lot, um, and I made a lot of mistakes. And over the next 20 years, I was the HR director for three cities and two community college districts in, in Ohio, California, and Arizona. Then, as I mentioned, in 2016, I was hired as the HR director for the city of Lenexa. And uh, lucky for me, I'm still here. What a path. And I love, we talk all the time at Catalyst Development about, you know, leadership is not a straight road. It's not a journey. It's it's a journey. It's not a straight road. Um, and and your your journey is is just like that. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I first decided to go to law school, I didn't have any, I didn't know what an HR director was probably. Um, and so it was, uh, it took me a few fits and starts and trying some different things and trying some things I didn't like before I finally found something that I, that I do enjoy doing. Yeah. You know, it's funny cause I recently shared my leadership journey and I didn't know what HR was either. And we had a really grouchy, mean professor that was like, if you want all this fluffy stuff, you should check out human resources. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And then when I checked it out, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I do love human resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so far away from that as a potential profession that the only class in law school that relates at all to HR is is uh, labor law. And I didn't even take that class in law school. So, you know, I definitely wasn't thinking anything along this line. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, you know, I mean, I'm a little biased because we love working with the city of Lenexa and I love your team. Um, but you put together such strong teams. Um, what is your favorite part of your job? Well, you know, that's the the question that, that we get a lot. And uh, it's the question that I, I think most folks kind of expect you to answer. Well, it's the people, of course. Um, but actually, that's not my answer. Um, I, I do enjoy working with and for people, don't get me wrong. But my favorite part of this job is building things that help make our employees' experience as good as it can be. Um, so it's kind of like a house. Actually, before I, before I decided to uh, go to law school, I wanted to be an architect very, very early in life. And so I love building things. Uh, so, and, and like with any building in HR, uh, there's a foundation that has to be built and the tools that, that we are asked to, to use to perform all of the transactions and other basic functions that are necessary for us to hire folks, uh, employment policies, uh, recruitment selection and hiring processes, compensation and benefit plans, job descriptions, all the basics. Uh, they must be put in place and they must work and they must be efficient and they must be cost effective. And some HR departments, even for larger firms, don't really go beyond performing basic transactions. And sometimes they don't even do them very well. Uh, now I'm familiar with places that make their folks call 1-800 numbers to be able to get questions answered, to be able to enroll in benefits, et cetera. And to me, the fun stuff is once you've built that uh, foundation, the things that you can build on top of it, and you've helped us do some of those things, uh, employee engagement efforts, sophisticated onboarding processes, state-of-the-art performance management and career development programs, uh, new manager training and development, which we're working on right now. Uh, These are the things that I believe can help set our organization apart from our competitors and uh, we're in a very competitive business today. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And, you know, we talk about it um, at Catalyst, but then you and I talk about it all the time about, you know, we've got to, 
we got to have those systems in place and we got to develop our people. And you're so passionate about um, building strong structures and, and systems, but also uh, building building and developing your your employees there at Lenexa. So can you kind of um, elaborate a little more on that about uh, why this is so important to you and, and why we spend so much time developing um, everybody from top to bottom? Well, when you look today at uh, surveys and, and folks answer the question, what are they looking for in a job? Career development uh, is one of always one of the top two or three uh, answers. Uh, so, you know, I, I first became a public sector HR director back in 1996. And at that time, the traditionalist generation uh, was between 49 years old and retirement age, and they were kind of running the show. Baby boomers were between 32 and 48 years of age. I did a little research on this prior to the podcast and did a little figuring on these. And then the youngest generation that we had in our workforce at the time was, was Generation X. Uh, millennials were in uh, grade school and junior high and high school. And, you know, back then, Katie's as well, you may not be able to remember back that far. But, you know, we didn't even use those terms then or even think of the differences in the generations uh, that were working for us. Um, most folks then were seeking security and long-term employment. Uh, there had been recessions. Uh, terrible inflation, high interest rates, job losses, uh, and 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 folks were thinking about security and the security that was inherent in public sector jobs. Because of that, we had no trouble hiring and retaining employees. Heck, we didn't even recruit. We just posted uh, our vacant positions on bulletin boards and and on our. Uh, I don't remember if we had websites at the time, but eventually on our website. So of course today this has completely changed, uh, and it's been different for many years. Um, Employees are now consumers of the workplace. Uh, millennials and Generation Z, they're just not as interested in or concerned with job security like, like we were. Uh, they don't expect to be around long enough for senior, seniority to matter. Uh, they have a lot of options and they have very high expectations. Uh, this means that we must not just recruit successfully, but we've got to be able to focus on retaining the folks that we're able to recruit. And this is where the employee experience comes in. And I use this term a lot. We can focus on making every part of a new employee's experience with us from pre-recruitment to recruitment and hiring, to onboarding and engagement uh, through performance and career development and all the way through to retirement. If we can make those, uh, make those experiences enjoyable and enriching, we have a way a better chance of retaining that employee long-term. And that's our focus today in HR at Lenexa. Yeah. And I, you're so on point. And, and the cool part is, you know, as we're working with your emerging leaders and even some of your, you know, current managers, we're hearing that same message. We just had a conversation recently with uh, several of your leaders in, in your um, parks and recreation department about the generations. And so it's so perfect that you talked about that because we were talking about Generation Z and there's five different generations in the workforce right now. And that is challenging at best. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you mentioned park and rec. I mean, we employ 14, we folks only have to be 14 years old to start out there. So you're right. We we absolutely have five generations in our workplace, and there are some 
generalities and some stereotypes that are true. Uh, most of them are not, but you do have to you have to understand, and we try our best to understand the folks that are coming into our workplace and and understand what it is they're looking for and what it is that will will cause them to want to stay stay with us and work for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really the getting to know them at that personal level and, and understanding, you know, everybody is different and everybody's needs are different. I think that is something that the team does really well. well thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> so speaking of everybody is different, uh, we introduced you to, um, well, of course I shouldn't say, so you and I both have just a, real admiration for Patrick Lencioni. We we enjoy his work. We talk a lot about his work. And so when the Working Genius came out, which is the assessment about where you get energy from work, I mean, my team, I thought we lived and breathed it, but you all really do as well. Your your HR department has done it. We're we're working through getting the rest of the city through it. So can you talk a little bit about how the working genius has changed the way you and your team work together. Yeah. Well, as you said, I've always enjoyed Lencioni's books on leadership. And then when, uh, when you introduced us to the working genius, uh, I, I right off the bat, I wanted to, I wanted to, to hear about it. So, you know, as HR professionals, uh, we've, we've been introduced to numerous personality and strengths assessment tools. Uh, I've been through disc colors uh, Gallup's Strengths Finders, uh, Marcus Buckingham, Standout, uh, you know, lot, lots of them. And every one of them was pretty good at identifying uh, in individuals' strengths, their interests. Uh, but, but when we finished every one of those, and I said this to you, I always ask, well, now what? What, what do we do with this? And those things just didn't stick. Um, and, and that's where I found that working genius is different. Uh, Lencioni, he's identified uh, six different geniuses, um, not 35, like with strengths finders. And, and each person has two things that for them are their geniuses, two areas that are their competencies and two that are their frustrations. And, and they all relate to the way that folks on teams work together. So as you said, on my HR team, for example, after we went through the training, uh, we discovered that I'm the only member on our team that uh, has invention as one of their geniuses. Um, two of my other members have discernment as one of their geniuses, and then two others have tenacity as their genius. So when we're working on projects or tasks, when we each, we each have a role and we know our role and it really helps us perform at our best as a team and allows our members to work in the areas that they love. And as you said, as they get energy from and, so, you know, now I found that as a team, we use the language of working genius in our in our everyday communication. I'll often say now, hey, I have an idea. I'm going to need some discernment on this. And my discerners are not shy about telling me, hey, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Or most often uh, that idea is garbage. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, and that's fine. That's cool. Uh, cause I'm not a discerner. I think every idea is a great idea. And so I need those folks to sometimes bring me back down to from 30,000 feet back down to ground zero. So, you know, I, I, I highly recommend, uh, the working genius 
that within our organization, I've recommended it to folks outside the organization. And I really appreciate uh, you introducing it to us and, and training us on how to use it. Yeah, thanks. It, it's fun to watch teams come together with it because it is so immediately applicable and it's it makes sense. And it's it's not about personality. It's It's truly about you know, tasks and energy from, from tasks. And Jenna and I always tease, we know we're in for it when you roll in a whiteboard into a meeting, cause we're going to do some invention. Yep. Yep. I like to invent things. I like to invent things with pictures. So. Right. All right. Well, um, you were one of my advanced readers on my book, which I really appreciate you doing. And through you um, reading the book, you also shared with me, uh, some stories that you have, we've talked about kind of the past and and more importantly, you shared a really special piece of advice that you gave your daughter. Can you share that story with all of us? Yeah, that's, uh, I love to tell that story. So when our, when my youngest, my Connie and I's youngest daughter, Demetria was starting third grade, uh, we moved her from parochial school to public school, which meant that she would be riding a school bus for the first time. So on the first day of school, my wife, Connie, and I walked Demi down to the end of our street to wait for the bus. And when the bus pulled up to our stop, Connie looked at me and she said, Dad, do uh, you have any words of wisdom for Demi? And I, she looked up at me and, and was waiting for re something really important uh, to, for me to say. And I was I was I just wasn't ready. And so without thinking, I looked down at her and I said, listen and be nice. So when she came home that afternoon, she told her mother and me how she had listened and beat nice all day at school. And I repeated that advice every year for probably through high school even. And the cool thing that happened is that last spring, Demi, who uh, is now a, uh, a new nurse at the Mayo Clinic in, in Phoenix, Arizona, she got her very first tattoo right here on, on her upper uh, forearm or upper arm. And it says, Listen and be nice. So that was pretty cool. Oh, I love. I've now heard that story several times. And every time I hear it, I still, <laughs> it gets me because it's so simple, but such an important, you know, lesson and, and words of advice. So yeah. um, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> um, So when we think about, you know, young professionals trying, or not even young professionals, but just people who are trying to find their career journey, their career path, and they think, oh, HR sounds interesting. What advice would you give someone who is interested in human resources? Well, you're, you're not going to believe this, but my advice would be listen and be nice. Um, seriously, this, uh, you know, the first part of that to, to listen, I, I think it's so important for HR professionals. Actually, it's important for everybody. Uh, and HR folks, I recommend if you're thinking about it or you're just new into it, is to work hard to read and to learn about how to be an intentional, professional listener. Not just at work, but in your personal life to, to learn how to listen to make others feel like they're the most important person in your life when they're talking to you, uh, to be curious, to be interested in learning about others, and to do a whole bunch more listening than talking. 
Uh, and the second piece, be nice. Now, I, I know the word nice has a bad rap. Uh, authors and speakers like to talk about how being nice is a bad thing. And if it means for you just being polite and not being willing to speak your truth or have crucial conversations or stand up for what you believe in, then that's not what I mean by being nice. When I say nice, I mean having a positive, having a positive attitude, um, being nice enough to tell folks the things that they need to hear when they need to hear them, be nice enough to be able to get along with folks of totally different backgrounds and upbringings and points of view. Uh, these two traits, listening and being nice, I think are necessary for anyone to be a successful HR professional. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so right. And what people don't understand about human resources a lot of time is, um, you're dealing with so many different types of people with so many different backgrounds and so many different stories and so many different stresses and challenges and, What's normal for one person isn't normal for another. And so really listening and getting to know them and their story really helps you be nice and kind to them and support them in their career growth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the final question I'm asking everybody on every show, um, to the level you're comfortable sharing, what is the biggest leadership and or career misstep that you've taken? <laughs> Well, uh, there are so many. Let me think. Um, let's see. Well, you know, as I mentioned uh, previously, I went from being a an attorney to a management consultant to a to an HR director. And as an attorney and as a management consultant, uh, my responsibility uh, was to represent management. Uh, employees were, they were important and they were a concern, but they were on the other side in when, you know, in, in those uh, first couple roles that I had uh, as a, as a working professional. And unfortunately, without even realizing it, I took that pro-management attitude into my first job, my, my role as an HR director. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, that led to numerous mistakes. It led to some poor relationships with uh, employees, especially uh, union stewards and other folks who were employee leaders and representatives. And it took me years to realize that mistake and a few more years to be able to fully correct it. Now, I've, as I said, I've been doing this for 27 years. So I think that I now understand the balance that is required to be able to operate with both the organizations and our employees' best interest in mind and at heart. Um, sometimes you have to lean a little bit toward one way or the other, but it's a balance, it's a delicate balance. And the best HR directors are the ones who can, can, uh, can you know, use and, and operate with that balance. Um, and, you know, it does take both the mind and the heart to be able to do this job and to balance both of those with the employee's best interest in mind, but also keeping the organization's needs uh, in mind also. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It is such a tightrope that that you walk when you 
And it's not just HR, it's all leadership, but especially in HR, it's that, that real tightrope. So thank you for, for sharing it. And for me, it's so important that we share these stories because so often, you know, managers want people to think that they're perfect or that, you know, this job is easy and it's, it's not, we take missteps and make mistakes and often unintentional, but it helps us grow and learn. Yeah. I, you know, there are a few, but I think one of the, one of the biggest flaws or missteps or probably character flaws that anybody in leadership can have is not being able to admit when you're wrong. And sometimes uh, admitting you're, uh, you're wrong, maybe sometimes even when it's not completely your fault, uh, is a vulnerability that I think helps leaders uh, be able to make the folks they're leading comfortable and willing to listen and learn from them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it gives us such an opportunity when people are willing to come and say, you know, I'm disappointed or I think you made a mistake or, you know, what. however the feedback comes, it's really that gift that one, they trust us enough to say it, even if they just say it in anger, but two, that it gives us the opportunity to, you know, apologize and to do better and to be better. And, and I think that's such a gift. We, are, we talk about feedback and we talk about it being a gift, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's not easy to, it's a not easy gift to accept. Uh, we like to think that we're doing the right thing. We like to have confidence in ourselves, but if you can have, if your folks are comfortable enough with you to be able to give you uh, feedback uh, that involves constructive criticism, uh, that, it's just, a, that's an, an opportunity to, to improve and, and uh, a lot of folks, uh, um, a lot of folks don't don't get to hear that, hear those things that often. It's nice to when your folks are comfortable enough to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, thank you, Jim, for being with us today. Happy Human Resources Professional Day <laughs> to you, you and to everybody out there. Um, I appreciate the support that you and the city of Lenexa and your phenomenal team has given Catalyst, we're so lucky to be able to work with you and just appreciate you all the way around. Well, thank you for all the all that you do for our folks. We appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Path to Leadership. I hope you found value in today's discussion and that it inspires you to take action in your own leadership journey. Leadership is not a destination, it's a continuous journey. So take the insights and strategies we've shared today and apply them in your organization. I know that you can make a positive impact, raise profits, and create a workplace where everyone can flourish. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an opportunity to sharpen your leadership skills. And if you have any questions or suggestions for future topics, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on our website at cdleaders.com. Connect with us on social media, on Instagram at Catalyst Developments. And I'm on LinkedIn at Dr. Katie Irvin. Thank you for joining me on this journey of growth and transformation. Until next time, keep leading with passion, purpose, and a commitment to building exceptional culture. Together, we can shape the future of leadership.